Welcome to the first podcast of The Whip, the Whistleblower Information and Protection Podcast. This is brought to you by Brown LLC. Brown LLC is a law firm led by me, former FBI Special Agent and Legal Advisor Jason T. Brown. Our firm handles whistleblower matters all over the country in conjunction with local counsel, and we're only paid if we win your case. Past results don't guarantee future success, and nothing said herein should be construed as legal advice that you can rely on. So, if you have a question about your rights as a whistleblower, you should definitely speak with a whistleblower law firm who offers free consultations, like our firm, by calling 877-561-0000. For the first episode of WHIP, we will get into... The five most commonly asked questions by whistleblowers. Question number one, how much money is in it for me? Well, first, let's break down what it means to be a whistleblower. To be a whistleblower, you are essentially blowing the whistle on illegal conduct within the confines of a company, from an individual, or some other entity. For you to succeed in this area of law, generally, it should not just be about the money. It has to be about a principle. It has to be about doing what's right. But notwithstanding that, at the end of the day, you don't get apologies from companies. You don't get them to admit that they're wrong. The apology is them paying some degree of money. So what is in it for you? A percentage of what the government recovers. Most type of whistleblower actions nowadays are thought to be brought under something called the False Claims Act. In the False Claims Act, also known as the Lincoln Law, when the government is defrauded, generally a Medicare or Medicaid program, the whistleblower who is unearthing the fraud for the federal government to learn about it is entitled to up to 25% of what the government recovers. Generally, it will be less than that 25%. 25% is the high end, 20% is the medium ground, and generally between 15 and 20 is where you can expect if the government takes a large role. But that's not all a bad thing. There's a process and a very definitive type of process that's involved in determining whether or not a case is viable in the whistleblower world. First of all, a complaint must be filed under seal. While it's under seal, where the defendant does not know about it, the government has an opportunity to evaluate your case. In evaluating the case, it can decide whether to intervene, meaning uh, get involved in the case directly, or to pass on the case, not intervene. If it intervenes, generally you will get less percentage-wise, but it could mean more money for you as the whistleblower, also known as a relator. Why is it more money? Because statistics show that the average value of an intervened case is roughly $13 million. A non-intervened case is $3 million. Now that assumes that the case is viable at all because most cases flame out along some sort of the way. So basically, you can get paid an awful lot of money for doing the right thing, although nothing is ever guaranteed. Question number two that whistleblowers ask is, how long will it take? 
Well, good things come to those who wait, but not to those who wait too late. And whistleblower litigation can take a long, 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 long time. Now, if that was a lot of longs and you're impatient about what's coming next, this may not be the right type of case for you to file because for as many longs as I said, which may have been six or seven, some cases last more than that in terms of years. Why does it take so long? Well, like we just mentioned, the government has an opportunity to investigate the matter while it's under seal. And while some terrific things come from these cases based upon the government investigations, the government is always triaging. And what do I mean by that? This is an important thing for the government to cut down on government fraud. And certain things are prioritized. For example, right now, opioid cases and opioid litigation is prioritized. So whistleblowers who know about pain pills or kickbacks in exchange for a certain uh, opioid type of medication, those cases may get to the top of the pile. Cases in which there are harm to patients are going to be prioritized. But cases purely about economic harm always seem to find themselves in the middle and go to the bottom of the pile in deference to those other important matters. So while the government's investigating, it can take several years. Now, hopefully, at the end, there is a rainbow and there's a pot of gold in terms of the government taking its time, meaning that it's more inclined than not to intervene or take action in the case. But unfortunately, there's no rule that governs or makes that to be the case. So this can take a long time. From our experience, some of the shortest periods of time have been roughly about a year. And that's when you have a very clean type of violation, very crisp information from the relator slash whistleblower, and you have a motivated AUSA assistant United States attorney working the case. So there's no guarantee how long a case can potentially take. It could and most likely will take years if it's a bigger case. There's a possibility for one year on the short end, but don't count on that at all. I would expect anywhere between two and three years for most whistleblower litigations. And that may be on the short end. Question number three Will my identity as a whistleblower be known? The answer is most likely yes at some point. Under the False Claims Act, though, you have time before the defendant or the wrongdoer finds out about your identity. The case is filed under seal, which means it's confidentially filed without serving the defendant a copy of the complaint. Most litigations, upon filing, There's a public record, and you have to serve the defendant with a copy. Not under the False Claims Act. The exact opposite. The court seals the docket so only those in the know can know and see the docket, and you are not supposed to serve the company. This is an important point if it's a lawyer listening in about commencing the action. Because if you commence the action wrong, you may destroy it right from its inception. The identity of the whistleblower is generally put into the complaint. From our experience, we generally only take cases in which, under the False Claims Act at least, there's some other 
exceptions, but under the False Claims Act, the person is willing to go forward with their real identity. If the individual cannot commit to putting their real name to it, bad things have happened historically to the different cases. Now, some people have tried to file these anonymously. They've tried to file them through the use of dummy corporations. Uh, Both techniques can be used. We strongly disfavor them at our firm for a variety of reasons, but we're open to listening for certain circumstances about the pros and cons and have a discussion about doing that. To drop a footnote, there are other types of uh, whistleblower actions, such as an SEC whistleblower action, where potentially you can be anonymous from start to finish with the use of an attorney. But under the False Claims Act, generally, after the government is done evaluating the case and determining whether or not it wants to intervene, at some point, the case will become unsealed and your identity will be known. Question number four and five are somewhat interrelated. Four, will I suffer from retaliation? And five, how am I protected? Well, under the statute, there's a strident mechanism for protecting whistleblowers. Generally, it's called an H claim for retaliation against a whistleblower. But of course, since the matter is under seal, how do they know that you're a whistleblower? And are you engaged in a protected activity? This gets to be a very complicated, fact-specific analysis type of inquiry. I strongly suggest that on the front end, before you take any action, even educating the company regarding its own wrongdoing, you consult with counsel. Because you want to blow the whistle the right way. Oftentimes, if you're trying to report in the company's internal uh, reporting mechanisms, well, sometimes that's a one-way door to get fired. It shouldn't be, but it is. You need to understand what your rights are before you complain to the company and what your options are, what your parachute is, which may be an old expression, but what your exit strategy is from the company. That's why if you file a case, a False Claims Act under seal, you have time to work through your strategy about what your exit will or might be if you want to leave the company. And if the company's engaged in very, very bad conduct, you might want to start thinking about getting out of there anyway. Why is that? Because some of this conduct under the false claims is not just civil penalties, but could be criminal. And you certainly don't want to be wrapped up in something along those lines. So once your identity is disclosed to the defendant, technically, under the law, they may not retaliate against you. Functionally, they might. It may happen for a variety of reasons. They will want you out the door. They may pay you handsomely to get out the door. Or they may find some sort of pretext to fire you. You need to go over this. You need to go over this with the attorney. And you need to have a candid conversation about this. Those were the top five questions asked by whistleblowers. But ironically, one of the most important questions is not often asked. People assume. And the question is, do I qualify as a whistleblower? That question will be answered in our next exciting episode.
This was our first episode of WIP, the Whistleblower Information and Protection Podcast. We look forward to receiving your feedback, your questions, or your comments. Please, if you're a potential whistleblower, do not leave any of those things public. Contact us directly. Blowing the whistle is a very serious matter. And if you're thinking of blowing the whistle, you should consult with a whistleblower law firm that focuses on this particular area of law. Our firm would be happy to speak with you. We do offer free consultations. 877-561-0000. But even if you don't consult with our firm, look around and consult with a firm that really has a focus of its practice on whistleblower litigation. Thank you and have a great day.